Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here. Welcome back to another episode of Raising Daughters. And if you're the kind of parent who wants to be an influence in your daughter's life now, throughout the teen years and forever, then you've come to the right place. I've been seeing a lot of girls in my counseling practice in the last several years, especially with high levels of anxiety and stress. I talked recently about the upside of stress in one of these podcasts. So today I thought I would focus on anxiety because there's so much of that, especially since COVID started. Girls have always had higher levels of anxiety than boys, starting especially in about the middle school and high school ages, but it's gotten much more ramped up since the pandemic. So I decided today I want to focus on one aspect of anxiety to give you and hopefully your daughters some awareness about why they have anxiety and also some tools about what they can do about it. But let me start out first by describing some girls I've seen uh, recently in my counseling practice. One of them was a third grade girl, and she was refusing to go to school because her teacher yells a lot. And she's really sensitive, always has been, and she worries about the kids who are being yelled at. She's this perfect little thing and never gets yelled at, but she's worried about the other kids, and she's worried it might happen to her And so she's anxious because she's worried that if she makes a mistake and she's not perfect, then she'll be yelled at. That's why she is having a hard time wanting to go to school in the morning. A few weeks ago, I saw a fifth grade girl who has always seen herself as being different from the other kids. She's never been a girly girl. She's kind of an old soul who's very deep, very thoughtful. She has different interests than a lot of the girls her age, and she hates drama, and she hates all that the drama kind of things that goes on with the girls in her class. It's taken a lot of courage for her to keep going to school, to participate in her life, because she feels like she doesn't fit. She told me one time that she feels like the only Fruit Loop in a bowl of Cheerios. I thought, that's so cool. I, I feel like I'm the only Fruit Loop in a bowl of Cheerios. And because she feels that way, and that's her belief system, She spends too much time collecting evidence that says, ah, see, I'm different, and therefore I'm going to be lonely, and I can't make friends. Another girl I saw recently, sixth grader. She lives in a family where, where there's a lot of fighting and yelling. Her parents, especially since COVID started, have been stressed about money and about their jobs, and so they're arguing and screaming and yelling. And so because of all of that, she's become very sensitive to things like loud voices being around anger. So even if there's just a little bit of anger around her, whether it's at home or even at school, she gets she gets triggered quickly and gets really anxious. And she feels like everything needs to be perfect and everything needs to be under control, that she needs to be in control, which is causing her a lot of anxiety because life doesn't work that way. I saw an eighth grader not too long ago, very self-conscious. And that started 
after her friend group ditched her in seventh grade. And since that time, she's been worried about her looks, her appearance, her weight, her figure. She's worried about her grades. She's worried about the kinds of friends she hangs with, who she should talk with. She's worried about what kind of clothes and outfits she should wear to school. She's worried about our, our interests being too weird, our interests too different than the, than the in-group and the popular kids. She's not into boys and feels feel like maybe she should be. So she is anxious and a stressed out mess each and every day when she wakes up as she thinks about going to school. I saw an 11th grade girl whose boyfriend broke up with her just a few days after they had sex for the first time. And she was devastated. And not only did that happen to her, but then he started spreading rumors about her on social media. And some of her best friends believed those rumors. So she started losing friends. And she worries every morning when she wakes up to the point where she has bad stomach aches because she's so worried about seeing him in the hallways of school. Last girl, a 12th grader, stressed out and anxious about her grades, about getting into college. And she ruminates that if she doesn't get into a top college, that she'll be a failure and she'll end up like a bum out in the street. And that worries her each and every day she walks into, into the classroom. I think for girls in grade school, middle school, and high school, their levels of confidence can wax and wane. They have periods of self-doubt from all the changes that they undergo uh, during adolescence. Changes at, at puberty, changes in their body, changing friend groups, changing interests. A lot of them experience negative things like the ones I mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast. There are some girls who are just born warriors. Warriors, not warriors, but warriors. Uh, there's a family history, oftentimes, of, of anxiety. A lot of times they have moms or dads who are worriers as well. And that anxiety and worry gets amped up in adolescence. A lot of parents I see are at their wits' end because they don't know how to support their daughters when they're having stomach aches in the morning and refusing to go to school and don't want to go out and they're avoiding social situations. So let me offer you in this podcast an awareness of one of the most common causes of anxiety that I see in girls in my counseling practice, and also some tools to help girls not only understand, but also handle their anxiety. I think demystifying their anxiety is an important step in them learning to handle it and be less stressed by it. There's a great quote by James Allen that says, Good news bears good fruit, and bad thoughts bear bad fruit, and man is his own gardener. Let me repeat that. Good news bears good fruit, bad thoughts bears bad fruit, and man is his own gardener. I want girls to start taking charge of their reactions to things, their thoughts about things, and their feelings. Even though they aren't always in control of what happens to them, they're definitely in control of what they make of it. The piece I want to talk about today uh, has to do with the female brain, and how girls are wired to ruminate. I read uh, in a book a while back about a study that was done at Stanford University. I believe it was the book The Female Brain by Luann Brizendine. In this study, uh, the, uh, the author of the study took a bunch of college-age women and men, and she had their brains hooked up to some monitors so they could see which parts of their brain were being activated, and then they showed them pictures, some photos of people who were suffering, people in pain, to cause them to feel, 
to feel sad, to feel hurt, to, to empathize with the people in the, in the photos. And what they discovered was interesting. When they showed these photos to the women and they started to feel upset and kind of hurt because of the people, two different parts, I'm sorry, nine different parts of their brain activated and both sides. Nine parts of the female brain activated when they were feeling. Lots of emotional centers in the female brain. They showed the same photos to the guys and to have them start to feel a little bit. And only two parts of their brain activated and one side. That conclusion of that part of the study was that women and men are wired differently when it comes to their emotions. Another part of the study showed that when the women's emotional centers activated and they were feeling, two other parts of their brain then activated. One of them was their verbal centers. So that when, uh, when women and girls, not always, but oftentimes, are feeling things, are upset, hurt, sad, they like to process through it by talking about it, talking through it. And I think they do that more so than guys. The other part of the female brain that activated, besides the verbal centers when they were feeling, was, was a part of their prefrontal cortex that likes to process through things. So what happens for a lot of girls and women is something happens that deserves X amount of energy and attention, and then they think about it. And then they think about it, and they think about it, and then they overthink, and they overanalyze, and all of a sudden it feels huge. It goes from a level one to a level ten. The word I like to use for that is ruminate. Overthinking. Chewing on thoughts is what ruminate means. Chewing on thoughts over and over and making mountains out of molehills. I see girls in my office, especially girls in, in their adolescent years, who do that a lot. Let me give you a couple examples. I saw a girl, and I've seen lots of girls who have the same story, but I saw one recently who said she was looking on Instagram and she, and she saw a picture of her two best friends at a sleepover at one of their houses and she wasn't invited. So that's level one. And then she started to think, I wonder why they didn't invite me. I wonder if they're becoming really good friends. I wonder if they don't like me. Or I wonder if I did something wrong. Did I say something? Did I do something? I wonder if they're not going to be hanging out with me anymore. I wonder if they're going to like hang out with each other and not going to invite me anymore. I wonder, who am I going to talk to at school? Oh my God, who am I going to sit with at lunch at school? So this girl went from seeing a picture on Instagram to, oh my God, I'm this lonely loser with no friends and I'm going to be sitting by myself in the library at lunch every day for the rest of my year. That is not an exaggeration. I've heard that kind of story dozens of times from girls. Let me give you another example. I've seen a lot of really top students with really good grades who, if they get a bad grade on a test, they start to ruminate. They go from, oh, my God, I got I got a C in this test to, well, what if I'm not going to get a good GPA? What if it affects my GPA? What if my GPA goes down a few points? What if my semester grades go down? Oh, my God, if, I don't, if, my, if my grade goes down and my GPA goes down, I'm not going to be able to get into that top college. If I can't get in the top college, I'm not going to be able to get the job I want. And they go from a C on a test to I'm going to be a bum out in the streets making no money. And I'm telling you, I've heard that exact line of thinking and ruminating from lots of girls, especially the intense girls who are perfectionists and who are really good students. They ruminate. And they don't ruminate best case. They tend to ruminate worst case. I have read, and I think it makes sense, that there's evolutionary reasons why we ruminate. 
that human beings have like an, an innate instinct and a capacity to try and make sense of their experiences, and especially negative experiences or suffering experiences, because they don't want those to come back again. And this instinct is often experienced as rumination, soul searching, contemplation. But it's the rumination one that causes anxiety. And stressful circumstances awaken this process in us, and especially in girls. There's two ways that rumination can go. One of them is ruminating worst case, and that causes anxiety and higher stress, le- higher stress levels. Girls start making mountains out of molehills, and they get overwhelmed. I see that over and over and over in my, in my counseling practice, in the weekend retreats I run, in the summer camps I run. But if girls ruminate in a different way, to reflect on their experience, and to try and make better sense of the experience so that they don't make it to be a negative about themselves, they can take that experience and they can see themselves as strong and able to grow from the adversity. They can become more likely to approach challenges than to avoid them in the future. They can see the meaning in difficult circumstances and they can learn lessons from it so they don't repeat it. It can go both ways. Unfortunately, in my experience, a lot of times, Girls make it go the first way. They ruminate worst case and they get overwhelmed. I tell girls all the time that what's most important is not what happens to them. It's what they make of it. So if a girl tells me a story about uh, being ditched by friends or about anything that's been kind of a negative experience, I ask them what it means about them. What does it mean about you that your friends left you out? Now, they start to give me all kinds of answers, but the answer is whatever you let it mean about you. I always tell them it's a trick question. What it means about them is whatever they let it mean, and they are in charge of that. Good news bears good fruit, bad bad thoughts bear bad fruit, and man is his own gardener, and so are girls. Girls are their own gardener. They're in charge of what they let things mean about them. So one of their jobs, should they choose to accept it, is going to be to start catching themselves when they start down that rumination path. I tell them at first, when you try and have that awareness, you may not catch yourself until you're kind of upset down the road a little bit. Not always, but oftentimes. I tell them it's okay. You're still catching yourself. I want them to be very gentle with themselves and say, okay, oh, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm starting to ruminate. I know if I don't do something to switch this, I'm going to get all bent out of shape and all overwhelmed. It's okay. At least I'm glad I'm starting to catch myself. That's a lot different than saying, oh, I'm doing it again, and then getting mad at themselves and then getting down themselves, which makes it worse. I have found that as girls learn to catch themselves, they do catch themselves earlier and earlier in the process. Then it's a lot easier to switch it. So what can they learn to do to switch it, to bring themselves back to their calm self? They need to do something to switch out of that worst case thinking. Switch themselves out of the assumption process. And one of the best things they can do is to bring themselves to the present moment. I ask girls all the time, when you're doing that worst case rumination kind of thinking, are you living in the past, the present, or the future in those moments? And the answer is usually in the future. Because they're living in the land of what ifs. What if I don't get a good grade? What if it brings down my GPA? What if nobody likes me? What if I'm alone at lunch? What if, what if, what if? So bringing yourself back to the present moment is a huge, important tool for them. 
and I'd help them to practice some breathing exercises. One of my favorites is to have them close their eyes and breathe in and out their nose. And then I'll, I'll do it at first, I, I lead them. I count to five as they breathe in. I tell them, hold it. Then I count down from five as they exhale. So it's breathe in, one, two, three, four, five. Hold it, and then breathe out, five, four, three, two, one. Breathe in, one, two, and I, and I go on and on. So I, I usually do three or four cycles for them. Then I tell them, keep your eyes closed. Now you count for yourself inside your head. And if your mind wanders, I tell them to bring it back to just breathing through your nose and counting the breath. And I'll do that for maybe a minute in the office. And I tell them, okay, you can stop now. They open their eyes. I say, how do you feel? And they always say, oh, I feel a lot more relaxed. I feel more calm. I feel more centered. When you close your eyes and you're focusing just on the breath going in and out your nose, when you're counting the breathing in and out, you are totally in the present moment. And all that what if future stuff sort of dissipates, it floats away, and you're in the moment where it's always okay. I also teach the girls to focus on one sense at a time. A lot of times I'll take them over to the window in my office. Um, if, if I'm at summer camp or if I'm on a weekend retreat, I take the girls outside. And we'll have the girls like sit uh, in a spot like underneath a tree or something. And oftentimes we'll even blindfold them so they're not distracted by looking around. And we tell them, just listen to all the sounds around you. In my office, they're listening to sounds outside in the street, maybe a few sounds in the office, but even better is out in nature. Because they'll hear wind rustling through the trees. They'll hear leaves being blown. They'll hear birds. They'll hear insects. And we'll have them with their eyes closed or with the blindfold on just listen for maybe a moment or two. And again, focusing on just their sense of listening. And after just a few minutes, they are so settled and so calm because they're back in the moment. I do that sometimes so I have them look at something really pretty, like a pretty picture or a pretty flower. Sometimes it can be as simple as looking at the, at the creases in your palm. And looking at all the different creases and maybe slowly but surely kind of curl your hand in. Look how the creases change. Then open your hand back up very slowly. Anything where you're focusing on one sense brings you back to the moment. And it takes you out of that rumination cycle. I also teach girls to repeat mantras. A mantra is a word or a phrase that you say to yourself over and over again to switch your thinking. I oftentimes tell them the old story of the little engine that could. Where a train engine is going up a hill and it's a really hot sunny day and the hill is very steep. So this little train engine starts to say, oh my gosh, this hill is so steep. I'm so tired. I'm never going to make it. It's so hot. I can't do this. This hill is too steep. And sure enough, they stop right in their tracks. And in my version of the story, I have a farmer walk up and say, your problem, little engine, is not the sun and the heat. Your problem is not the steep hill. Your problem is your stinking thinking. And as long as you keep saying to yourself, I can't do it, guess what? You probably can't do it. So the farmer said, you might want to just switch what you're saying to yourself. And so the little engine that could started to say, I think I can. And she didn't say it once. She said it over and over. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then she started moving again. 
I think I can. I think I can. And she got excited. She just kept saying it over and over. And she started going faster and faster. So she got up over the top of the hill and she went all the way home and lived happily ever after the end. I think I can is a mantra. So I had the girls think about stressful situations, situations where they might get anxious before a test, before an audition, before a performance, and to create a mantra for that situation. For me, I have, a, I have a mantra for when I start getting a lot of things that are coming due. I have talks coming up. I'm traveling. I have a camp coming up. Um, I have to, get, I have to uh, prepare for some podcasts like this one. And so sometimes I can start getting a little anxious, like, oh, my gosh, i got so much to do. I'm not going to get it done. And so I catch myself quickly because I've been doing this for a long time. And my mantra is two quick sentences. There's more than enough time. I always get things done. I say those two sentences once or twice and poof, I'm back. Now, I've used those mantras for 25 or 30 years. That's why they work quickly. But that same thing can happen for girls if they develop a good a good mantra for tests or for, or for performances before a soccer game, whatever. I tell girls, do a reality check, especially the girls who get stressed out about their grades. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's girls with really good grades. I had a girl in my office this past week who has a 4.7 GPA. I didn't know that was possible, but she does. She said, oh, yeah, it goes up to like 5.3 or something because if she's taking all uh, AP classes. Anyway, she's, she gets all bent out of shape and she starts ruminating about the grades like I mentioned before. And so I said to her, let me ask you a couple questions. In the history of your schooling up till now, and this girl was in the 11th grade, in your history up till now, on your report cards, not a quiz or a paper or a test, but on your report cards at the end of the semester, how many F's have you had? And she said, none. I said, nine. She said, no, no, none. I said, okay. How many D's? She said, none. And then she started to get it. She started looking sheepish. I said, how many C's? And she said, mm, none. I said, how many B's? She said, well, I've used a couple. I've had a couple. I said, okay. So the truth about you is that if you do your normal amount of studying, if you do your normal strategies, we know what your report card is going to look like at the end of the semester. It's going to be A's probably, maybe a B occasionally. So you don't need to get anxious and stressed about it. Just focus on today. What can I do today about the paper I'm, that I have due? What can I do today about the test coming up in three days? And so her, uh, the, her mantra could be, I always do well. I got this. I always get things done. I got this. I got this. So they can create mantras, and those are so valuable, and they're so effective in switching out of negative, stinking thinking. So those are a couple tools. The breathing thing and the one sense at a time, which brings them back to the present moment. Doing a reality check and creating a mantra for themselves about different kinds of situations. I think for you parents who are listening to this podcast, I would say watch your energy. Because if your daughters are anxious about something, if they're ruminating and they're upset, if you come to them and you have an anxious look on your face and you're really worried about them, they can tell that and that just adds to their plate. And they may have uh, an, uh, a level of anxiety that's, that they're sort of semi-managing and then if you add your anxiety to that, bam, they topple over. I want them to look at you and what they see is, you got this, I believe in you. 
as opposed to, oh my gosh, are you okay? Can you do this? I know you got a lot on your plate. So watch your body language, watch your tone of voice, watch your energy. That's really hard to do for some parents because they may have in their history some situation that has caused them to extra worry about their kid. That's called a vulnerable child syndrome. Something that may have happened in the parent's past or maybe in the child's past that causes the parents to be extra worried. Maybe a parent who had a hard time getting pregnant. Maybe a parent who had several miscarriages before this child was born. Maybe the baby was a premature baby or maybe the baby was sick in the early going, didn't gain weight. Mother, a mom who really wanted to breastfeed and they couldn't because the baby wasn't getting enough milk and the baby wasn't gaining weight. Anything that may cause some anxiety or, or worry in a parent's either in the pregnancy or in the early going, can set them up to still being anxious years later. I've seen chunky little seven, eight, nine-year-olds whose parents are still worried about their weight because back in the early days of their life, when they were, uh, when they were babies, they weren't gaining weight. So if you're having a hard time not being anxious, anxious and, and, uh, about your daughter, you might need to step back and check in with yourself and say, is there anything in my past or in my parenting past that's causing me to over-worry about this kid? The feelings that parents have about that, the vulnerable child syndrome, are normal feelings. And they don't cause problems unless they're stuffed down and you're not aware of them. One other quick note uh, for your girls as well that I forgot to mention before, and that is self-care. I want girls to learn how to have regular, quiet time to take care of themselves, to express their emotions so that their feelings don't build up to the point where they're on overload and overwhelm. Because if they're on overload and overwhelm, the little things that happen in their life can set them off on a downward spiral. They're much less likely to ruminate worst case and get all bent out of shape if they are calm and they're centered and they're grounded because they've been doing things to take care of themselves. So self-care is so important. Spending time doing things that they love to do that calm them down. I've had two girls in my, in my counseling practice in the last two weeks who came in and they were crocheting as we did our visit, which I think is awesome. Girls who use art, drawing, painting, sculpting, dancing, uh, playing an instrument, singing, finding some way to express themselves so that the feelings don't build up. Journaling, writing stories, writing poetry, writing songs, finding a medium to express themselves so that they don't get overloaded and overwhelmed because that sets them up to ruminate more. There are girls who have had some negative experiences and I want us to commiserate with them, to empathize. There are some girls who tell me that just going to school every day is out of their comfort zone. I want us to empathize with them and be comforting and nurturing. And I want this then to help girls to solve their own problems, to sit back and say, what can I do about that? To learn how to catch themselves when they ruminate, learning how to bring themselves to the present moment, to use the tools we've talked about so far today. I would rather girls learn how to do that than us to jump in and fix and rescue because then we're part of the problem. I had a girl in my counseling practice recently who was talking about how she had been overwhelmed lately with a bunch of things. And she said that, uh, and her mom uh, was in, 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 as part of the visit at the end. 
and uh, she she actually learned has learned to go to her dad more than her mom, which is which is somewhat unusual. And that's because her dad is really calm, and just listens. So I, I told her, tell your mom what you'd like for her to do if she sees you and you're crying or you're upset. And she said to her mom, I just want you to sit by me and hug me and don't talk. <laughs> she actually said, don't talk. <laughs> and this mom got a look on her face like, uh, like uh, guilty because she cares so much and she worries so much and it comes out as over talking and trying to give too many ideas instead of just saying, I hear you. I got it. It stinks. I, I understand how you feel makes sense why you might feel that way. So I think if we can help girls understand why they ruminate, to learn to catch themselves and to learn some tools to redirect themselves, they'll feel a lot more confident when stressful or negative experiences happen in their lives. They can catch themselves early in the process so it doesn't take so much to, to switch it. They won't take it on and let it become a pattern. So it's not about they're never going to ruminate. It's about catching it, switching it, understanding it, having tools to redirect it. That's what they need. Let me, let me end here with a quote. And it goes like this. And it's an unknown. I don't, I don't know who did this quote. I couldn't find out who the author is, but I like it. It says, ships don't sink because of the water surrounding them. They sink because of the water that gets into them. Ships don't sink because of the waters surrounding them. They sink because of the water that gets into them. I think the same is true for what's going on around girls in their lives. We can't shield them from hurtful experiences. We can't shield them from teasing. We can't shield them from boyfriends who, who dump them, etc. We can't shield them from that. But what they absorb from it, what they make of it, ah, that's what we can support them in helping them make good sense of their experiences so that it doesn't become this negative rumination and anxiety and overwhelm. I hope this helps. I know a lot of you parents listening to this have girls who struggle with anxiety, girls who ruminate. And by the way, this would be a good podcast to probably listen to with your daughters. So maybe they can learn about why they ruminate and what it means so they're not so afraid of it. They understand it. It, it becomes demystified. They have tools. They can get more confidence. So listen to your, with your daughters to this podcast. If you like this, these, this podcast, others, please share them with your friends. I really like it when you do that. I really appreciate it. I will be back here in a couple weeks, uh, actually probably a week, with another podcast. By the way, if you want to get a hold of me or check out all the things that, that I do and have done, just, just go to our website at www.drtimjordan.com, like Dr. drtimjordan.com. There's uh, all kinds of information on there about past podcasts, blogs, uh, the six books that I've written, um, information about upcoming weekend retreats and summer camps. Uh, so go to the website. There's all kinds of great information there. A lot of it is, is free. There's also a cup, uh, course that my wife and I put on about a year ago about understanding girls' emotions and their friendship issues. Uh, so that's also on the website. Uh, thanks for stopping by here. I really appreciate it. And I will see you back here in a week.